Welcome to another episode of Joy in Your Circus. I'm your host, Sabrina Irvin, and today's podcast episode is a continuation of a two-episode conversation that I had with Haley. If you missed last week's episode, I highly recommend taking a pause and backing up to listen to the first episode because everything kind of ties together um, nicely. So you'll want to listen to the previous episode before you catch this one. In part two of my interview with Haley, she continues to share about her journey as a mom and an entrepreneur, and she opens up about a diagnosis that stopped her in her tracks. Let's jump back into my conversation with Haley. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. So if the pandemic wasn't bad enough to, you know, be thrown into this world when in November of 2019, you had a whole other bag come your way. So can you tell us what happened? Yeah. Well, November 19th of 2019, I was actually teaching an exercise class at the clinic and hanging on to somebody's baby who was being fussy. And I came across what felt like a rib head on my chest wall. And being a physio, I knew that it wasn't a rib head but it felt like a rib head. And so right after class, I called Martinsville Collective Health and Wellness actually, where my doctor is. And I booked an appointment for 45 minutes from the time that I called. And I went in and uh, got a requisition for an ultrasound and I found a lump, a breast lump. And uh, of course in my, in my true Joking fashion, I asked the doctor, I said, so remind me, these hard immovable masses are, they're good stuff, right? (laughs) And she kind of looked at me and was like, no. (laughs) So um, where I got my ultrasound requisition, I went for the ultrasound. And of course, so that was November 19th. And then the week after that... So I couldn't get in for an ultrasound until the next week, but my, our childcare ended up having their own medical stuff going on. So I was without childcare this whole time as well. (laughs) Good timing, right? Good timing. So my son came with me to my ultrasound appointment and from ultrasound, they took me to um, mammogram and they ended up doing the diagnostic mammogram at the same time and of course kids aren't allowed in the mammogram space and my son i don't know if you recall but he had a little bit of separation anxiety oh good (laughs) and uh surprisingly he didn't cry so i thought that that was really wonderful and then yeah the next day i got a call back that i was going to be going to the breast health center and i was diagnosed officially with uh, breast cancer on December the 23rd, 2019. And uh, I started treatment on January the 7th of 2020. So I had the pleasure of <laughs> deciding, okay, so this is the universe's way of telling me that I need to slow down a little bit and delegate, as well as learn how to accept help, because I'm kind of terrible at that and um, make sure that I'm setting good boundaries. And then on March 18th, the universe said, just kidding, you don't get to accept help because we're now in a pandemic. (laughs) Oh man. So I'm not sure quite what lesson I'm learning with the pandemic other than maybe that I actually don't control anything, but that is a lesson in its in itself i think i'm taking it it's hard (laughs) so maybe walk us through like some of the major emotions that kind of were going through your head when you received this initial diagnosis well it's tough like i have my like i have my blog that i've been doing kind of from the beginning i I started putting stuff up more so after my birthday last year. And for me, it was like flip right into what do I need to do to support my kids mode? And what they needed was stability and support and emotional support and all of that kind of stuff. But 
when you get down into it, it's really tough and sad and hard to know that there were lots of things that I wanted to be able to do with my kids that now I just haven't been able to or that I missed. And emotionally, it's really challenging. Did you find that the that writing the blog was kind of, is it kind of therapeutic for you in a way to, to write everything down that you're going through? Yeah, and I've had a little bit of a slowdown here just because we've kind of like hit a, a level field, I guess. And this time of year was so emotionally up and down with, um, I would have just been finishing my first phase of chemo this time last year. I was so sick. And so I feel like some of that, like I'm trying to deal with some of that this year as all of the like anniversaries are coming up. So it just feels like really hard to focus on any one thing right at this point in time. But so maybe walk me through a little bit of what was the plan of action after your diagnosis? Because I'm sure that the healthcare professional in you kind of takes over a little bit and you're very much an advocate. So I'm curious to know, like, what was that plan of action? And I'm sure that you were on the ball for what is my action plan? Because that's the type of human that you are. Well, so I went for my biopsy on the Tuesday, mid-December, and on the Friday, which I think was like the 15th or something like that, um, I saw the surgeon and she confirmed that I was getting a referral to the cancer center and all of that kind of stuff. And then the next day was our staff party for work. Oh, boy. <laughs> Where we went on a, oh, man, it seems so long ago, but we went on a Saskatoon's um, food and drink tour around Saskatoon and area. It was super fun. Um, and then on Monday, I was like, so we're going to have a mandatory staff meeting on Friday, guys. <laughs> I told all of my staff. Um, but as soon as I had found the lump, I basically removed my booking schedule from my online booking for the new year. Cause I knew that I probably wouldn't be seeing clients. Um, it's not recommended while you're doing chemo, if you can avoid it to see lots of kids, um, which is primarily my practice at this point. I talked to my team and we got all set up that way to be able to have make sure that my people were being taken care of and i had a a wonderful um, colleague come and help assist with my pediatric pelvic health caseload she was wonderful to assist thank you juliet and uh and yeah so just straight into how do i take care of my clients because they're top priority Um, as far as the clinic is concerned, and then set up the clinic so that it would run without me being there, which I never thought that I would ever have to do. So basically, I I didn't have to step foot in the clinic (laughs) from the last day that I saw clients in 2020 was January the 6th. I was still nursing my son at the time. Oh, see... See, interesting, another component to this. And that was enraging. So, I mean, some people will say extended nursing. I, whatever, he still, he was nursing, it's fine. And when I had my biopsy, we discontinued nursing on that side, but continued nursing on the other side. And then I couldn't nurse with chemo. But what they said was, it's like, well, you can't nurse for X number of days, but you'd be able to nurse after that. And I'm like, so then I would have to take it away like every two weeks. I think that they don't understand how nursing works. (laughs) No, it was very, it was very, very hard. We got him a cake that said bye-bye boobies on it. And it makes everything better, right? He was very mad at me for a long time. Oh, that's hard. Now he picks my mole on my arm instead. (laughs) so from there so walk me through okay so you kind of set things up at the clinic and then where did things go from there 
So basically, we just kind of found a new rhythm. Um, my team at the clinic is absolutely phenomenal. And I'm very fortunate that I had, um, even from the beginning, my, my goal was that if I needed to go like on a week holiday, that the clinic would still function without me there. Um, so it's not like we had a long ways to go for that, which was really good. And, and so we had everything set up at the clinic. <clears throat> and after I got my official diagnosis and all of the information is when we talked to the kids about it. And it was very important to me that it not be a scary thing. Um, so proper medical language with good descriptions. We got some really great books for the kids to read. Um, my sister gave us a book off Amazon called Nowhere Hair. And we tried to take control whenever possible. So I knew that my hair was going to fall out. So we cut it short. And we had my wonderful friend, um, Brie Coop, who does actually birth photography in Saskatoon. I don't know if you've heard of her. I have, yes. Yeah. And uh, she's she's absolutely phenomenal. But she um, she gifted me some pictures uh, of that as well. So the kids were cutting my hair. Drayton had his Play-Doh scissors out. It was super cute. Aww. And then uh, so we cut my hair short to start. And then after my second round in the first phase of chemo, my hair started coming out. So then we we all shaved it, um, which was really good. And yeah, basically just any time that there was a change, did our best to prepare the kids for it and have them feel like they were in control a little bit anyways, because it's one of those things that feels very out of control. <laughs> Going through this process for anyone could be scary on any given day, but I, you know, we can't even imagine how difficult this must have been during a pandemic. So what direct impacts did the pandemic have on your cancer treatment? So the pandemic took away all support, essentially, when you are going into the hospital and, and like I hands down to those that are going through like diagnosis and treatment right now, because you only get a support person for your first appointment. You only get to see your oncologist in person, I think once. And when you go for your first round of chemo, you get somebody there for the first 30 minutes while they explain things and then you're by yourself. Wow. It's awful. It's, it's really, really tragic actually. And uh, so for me, I had gone from being able to have either my husband, well, my husband attended basically all of the appointments with me. And then when I started going for weekly chemo, which was in my second phase of chemo, my mom came with me once. And my, I had a girlfriend come once as well. But I went from being able to have somebody there to at least listen to what it is that they, the nurses and stuff had to say to help me remember to having to try and remember it all myself and hope that I had it right. And I mean, of course, I'm, I advocate for myself relatively well, and I know the system a little bit better than, than others. So that is helpful for me, but also not great. I ended up with a pick line which is a, a line that they use for blood draws and, and administering your chemo so that because my my veins kept exploding. <laughs> oh. oh, fun. Every time I went to have a blood draw, my I would just bruise up like crazy. And uh, it was it was pretty terrible. But um, so I ended up with a pick line and they are not doing any blood draws at the cancer center anymore. So they can't do pick line draws, which helps a lot with um, your veins and, and trying to reduce the trauma to your veins that way as well. You can still get your chemo, obviously, through your pick line. But I mean, the blood draws are right before chemo all the time, too. So it just seems a little bit nutty to me that they have removed that service. Yeah, it's just it it was it was really, really hard. Um, and then thinking of like when I went for surgery for my for my double mastectomy, 
my husband, like Rob could come for that, but he absolutely, he couldn't leave the room at all. Hmm. And you know what they have in the room after you leave to go for surgery? They don't have a bed in there. They have a plastic chair and the like table that goes over top of the, the bed that <laughs> you get your water on. That's it. Yeah. Nice. Super comfy. Speaking of your husband, so how did your husband, and you kind of talked a little bit about your kids and how you guys kind of addressed that, but how did your husband cope during your diagnosis and treatment? How did he do through all this? He has been an absolute like rock star. Absolutely, like without a doubt, hands down, phenomenal. He has been the best support and not only just of my like emotional state, but managing getting our like house organized, keeping the kids organized, being able to keep our lives organized <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff has been has been really, really amazing. So I attribute that to a lot of the various counseling and couples counseling and things like that that we did prior to all of this set us up to be in a really good spot where instead of becoming resentful of one another, we just kind of like ended up having a, a stronger relationship together. So that's been really nice. See, that's where I talk about counseling being good. You do it before it's an emergency and then you have the tools Honestly, that you need. If I could tell everybody to do one thing, it would be get yourself like a couple counselor or like a relationship coach or get your own counseling if you need to but ideally if we like my and my husband would come on and say the same thing the best thing that we've ever done is go to counseling well and i think yeah like for couples and for individuals it's just so good to have those tools yeah. in your in your toolkit for when when the time comes when exactly. you need that you think you know how to talk so until you try to talk and then it doesn't go very well <laughs> well exactly so where overall where do things stand with your health right now i am officially cancer free yeah, as of, uh, well i got clear margins on my double mastectomy back in june so i've had no cancer since june of last year haven't had any scares knock on wood the thing that i think is is uh massive misconception about breast cancer is that once you are cancer free you're cured and you don't have any other increased risk but pretty well anybody who's had breast cancer almost of any stage well stage four obviously is is terminal cancer it's not going to go away but um stages one through three essentially you have a 30 percent chance of having it return as a metastatic cancer which is stage four. Yeah. And um, they don't actually include that because it's considered a recurrence. They don't include that in the stage four um, statistics uh, as far as I have seen. I think that we need to be advocating and working towards um, treatment and like a cure of a metastatic stage four breast cancer to get the advancements in research that we're wanting to see. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. So what impact has all of this chaos and this journey that you've been on had on your mental health? You know, again, I think if it wasn't for all of my work previously, it would be in the tank, like it would be brutal. But I'm doing pretty good. Really controlling what I can control. I'm recognizing what I can't and I'm doing my best to like live in the moment. And do you have like a mantra or a saying or something that kind of helps you when you have tough days? You know, when I saw this in your, in your pre thing, I was like, you know what? No. You're just I lying by the seat of your pants. <laughs> You should. Seriously, I went through I went through counseling a couple of years back and we went through this whole list. And what I had to do was I had to write them on sticky notes and I put them like in my car or my office or wherever. And then I had to figure out which ones worked the best yeah. for me. So you need to find some that work for you. Maybe. No, I, like for me, 
I I have found with in in the people that I've worked with, um, maybe it's different techniques. I have no idea. I'm sure everybody has slightly different ways of doing things, which is totally fine. Um, but a lot of the the work that I've done has been focused on the underlying nervous system reactions so that I'm able to like recognize when my nervous system is being engaged and how to disengage. So essentially, <laughs> probably my six-year-old acting like a six-year-old isn't the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that's affecting me. So taking responsibility for that has been has been really huge. I guess one of the things that we say lots in our house is like, you do you and I'll do me. And right now I need a break. Hey. <laughs> Maybe that's my mantra. <laughs> hey, that's good. I like it. <laughs> so like looking back over all of this health journey that you've been through, what have you learned about yourself through this process? Because I'm sure there are some things that you didn't really know until you went yeah. through this. I learned that, well, and I think lots of people can relate to this. I like to be in control and not being in control is scary, but I have learned that I am valuable despite the thought that I need to do things in order to be valuable. Hmm. So I am enough just being me. It's very, very and true. A hard one. It is. I think it's incredibly difficult. I think, well, everyone, but moms in particular, definitely, mm -hmm. definitely struggle with that um, one. So if you could speak directly to someone who's sitting at home listening to your story right now, thinking this would never happen mm -hmm. to me. Women make so many excuses for why they don't do their appointments, why they don't get their physicals done regularly. Yeah. What would you, what would you say to them? I think that we've been sold on self-care being the like pretty things that cost lots of money, like manicures and massages and spa days and all the, lux the luxury, the luxury items. things, getting your hair done and whatever, right? Yeah. All of that kind of stuff. Girls weekend, yeah. Moose Jaw Spas. Self-care is also, and probably most importantly, those things that you book for everybody else and that you're not booking for yourself. So your kids go to their doctor's appointment every year, probably, right? Yeah, well, I mean, pre-pandemic, we were really good. Right? Well, I mean, pandemic aside, like this year, last yeah. year, whatever, it's all a crapshoot. But like, we go to the dentist, we go to the optometrist and in case people don't know you can actually take your kids to an optometrist it doesn't cost any money because it goes through the health card because like that's something yep. that a lot of people don't know <laughs> yes and you know what it is it is really good it's good to know and i have three kids in glasses so take your kids take them yeah, early take them early they can go like as young as six months i think um yeah. yeah like your kids go to all of those things often us as moms we're booking our husbands for different medical things as well like book for you too and I, like 100 percent legit i did not do regular breast exams myself um i think that it's something that's important but i think it's more important to pay attention to how you feel all last like that summer before summer 2019 something just like it felt like the universe was trying to tell me something and i didn't know what it was so then i was paying more attention there was some tenderness on the side where my lump was but not in the same area where the lump was and then when i when i found it i i went right away so don't don't brush it off <laughs> If you feel like there's something going on, trust your gut. I personally would rather somebody go to the doctor for um, a benign lump that doesn't mean anything than to brush it off like it's benign and it actually be something pretty, pretty significant, right? Um, yeah. 
especially because some some move really really quickly uh, mine was a relatively aggressive one it hadn't been there for very long when i found it thank goodness um and i caught it early so um if i had one wish for everybody it was that we stop worrying about like saving second base and worry worrying about like saving ourselves as mothers and daughters to our mothers and like mother like grandmothers to our kids kids <laughs> let's switch gears to something yeah. happier than cancer because <laughs> i mean it's not that happy i know right <laughs> oh. let's chat about love sure. because i love a good love story and i am curious how you and your husband met we met at speckle bellies actually <laughs> Oh, romantic. <laughs> At a mutual friend's birthday party, my husband made fun of the jacket that I was wearing, and his hair was longer than mine when we met. <laughs> Making fun of you, always a, a good, good way to start off a relationship, I don't right? Know, have, yeah, you've met Rob. He's a, he's a funny guy. I feel like maybe that, you know, actually, I say that about making fun of them, but I remember when my mom told me about how her and my dad met, he, because my mom's from Newfoundland, he made some like Newfie joke right off the hop. And I'm like, I guess that works. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we, we got along. Um, I thought he was kind of weird, actually. <laughs> And then, and yeah, we, do we just had like a mutual friend group and started hanging out, so. So when did you guys meet? Like when that was, was this? was in June of 2007. Okay. Yeah. So you, you know what, you met him like only a couple months different than when I met my husband. Because it was, I moved here in like July of 2007 and I met my husband like the month after you met Rob. Hey, look at that. Rob moved to Saskatoon in May. <laughs> Whoa, weird. <laughs> Is he romantic? Like what are, like what's the most romantic thing he's ever done for you? You're laughing. Oh, boy. He's not romantic, really. The most romantic thing that he's done, he tried to give me flowers when I came back from a placement when I was in physio school in BC. And I thought that my mom got them and he was just kidding. He tried. He tried. And it, they were really nice flowers. I just, I never would have expected for him to actually give me flowers. It's just not his style generally. So he did plan a surprise party for my 30th birthday party. And that was really nice. I was super pregnant, like five weeks away from having my son. <laughs> and it was hot in the backyard, but it was really nice to have all of my friends and stuff over. I don't know about romantic, but it was really thoughtful. That's romantic in his way, right? I think like it, romance looks so different from one one guy to the next, right? Like, yeah, exactly. So no, it's the making me laugh and keeping the day to day interesting. I think is the best. What would you say in your mind is the key to to a successful marriage? Um, communicating, like actually communicating well, not saving things to talk about later because it might be hard to talk about now because they just build up and then blow up and all of that kind of stuff. And then like trusting that the other person actually has your best interest at heart. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, you also need to then have their best interest. <laughs> really? <laughs> might, might be a no brainer there, but um, I feel like sometimes as a, especially in our current society, it seems like it's a, well, if you get like, what are you, what angle are you coming from kind of thing? And and once we start to get into that, that mindset in our like romantic relationships, it really spoils the rest um, because you don't get to have fun anymore. And I like to have fun. Yeah. Fun. I like fun too. Yeah. It's hard to find fun sometimes as a mom, but I like it. So what is the absolute biggest pet peeve that you have about your husband? He falls asleep before me. Oh, that's an interesting one. I've never heard that one before. Oh, I'm so tired. I should go to sleep. And he's like, yes, we... 
Are you, do you have like conversations and then he's not like, you think he's listening? Do you ever do that when you're in bed? No, not necessarily in bed. Like by the time I get up to to bed, I'm, we're, we're ready to be already out. Yeah, we've already, we've already finished talking for the most part, but like you put on a show, it's like, oh yeah, like let's watch this show. And then five minutes in, I'm like, oh, hey, did you, oh. (laughs) See, that's me. I'm the one that falls asleep in the shows. (laughs) Well, I do fall asleep in shows too, but yeah, no, he can, he can sleep pretty well anywhere. All right. Well, he probably thinks that's a quality trait. When I was going through chemo, I could sleep almost anywhere, but not so much anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So if I was to turn the tables and ask him what he thinks that the biggest pet peeve he has about you, what, what do you think he would tell me? Oh my goodness. There's so many. Probably I'm a little bit too serious. So he like sometimes he'll be trying to joke and I like have missed the part where he's like leading me into a joke and I'm like, but why would you say that? Because <laughs> I'm like being funny and I'm like, oh, I see. Well, yes, if I hadn't missed that, that would have been good. <laughs> the joke is lost on you. <laughs> the joke is sometimes lost on me, yeah. Let's talk about how has your business maybe directly impacted your marriage? So have you guys like learned anything over the years to kind of help keep the peace between marriage and business and keeping those worlds functioning? You know, um, I think two years ago, my answer to this would have been very different than it is now. But I would say at this point where we're at in business, like it's only meant to serve as an enhancer for the rest of my other facets of life. So that's because I've found the elusive balance question mark. I don't know if there is like a daily balance that you find, but like overall week to week, month to month, overall I feel like I've got a good a good mix of my personal, professional, like all of that like sleep, I guess, is in there too somewhere. So I, I feel like I've got a, a good mix of all of that overall when we're taking a look at the bigger picture, which has been really nice because I know before, like I said, I used to work like 60 hours a week with clients and then do all of the admin as well. So that was, I was probably at 70 or 80 hours a week, <laughs> right? So that was a little bit harder mm-hmm. and, and not seeing the like figuring out where the light at the end of the tunnel was, but I think that we've, we for the most part hit it now. So you're in a good groove. So let's just chat a little bit about motherhood. So what is maybe the biggest challenge you faced over the years as a mom? I think the biggest challenge for me is knowing, especially with the kids being younger is knowing when to push for more from a advocacy perspective for them. So thinking specifically, uh, my daughter, since the time she was small, like I said, she was a cat napper. She, she didn't really sleep during the day. Um, if she did, it was for my husband when I was out of the house. And as soon as I came in, it's like she could smell milk and she was awake. And, uh, and she was awake between seven and 10 times at night until just before two. It was one of those things where I was just, you know, like asking if this was typical and everybody, oh yeah, kids just don't sleep, get used to it, har har. And actually we ended up doing a sleep study after her fourth birthday. We had gone for her well check and it was, it was like, okay, well, if she's not sleeping well, we'll be able to see that in a sleep study. So we did a sleep study in January of 2020, added on, right? And uh, that came back as showing uh, mild obstructive sleep apnea. Hmm. And uh, you know what mild obstructive sleep apnea is? <laughs> like 5.2 times an hour. That's crazy. That's mild. So it's no like big deal. Minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so uh, on average, right? So when, when we think about it, specifically, no wonder she woke up seven to 10 times before she was two. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Uh, So anyway, she ended up uh, getting her tonsils out. She's a totally different kid. Really? 
Um, Crazy. And so like not letting that go, I think was really good. And it makes me wonder like, what would she have been like if I had advocated harder sooner? But of course we can't ride that train. <laughs> forever right. Because there's if, ifs and buts were, yeah. Anyways. So yeah, it's, uh, I think the the hardest thing is, is knowing how hard to push. Yeah. And when to back off. Yeah, when to pick your when yeah. to pick your battles and knowing knowing where you need to yeah. advocate. So what what do you find in your opinion to be the most rewarding part of being a mom to your two kids? Um, I don't know if you feel the same, but I get these glimpses of what I feel like my kids will be like when they're older. And <laughs> I just adore those moments where you look at them and you're like, wow, you're like the best human being on the face of the planet. I can just, I can't see you right now, but I can visualize what your face is like when you're telling that story, like how. (laughs) And then of course they, they, well, and then of course they do something else. (laughs) You're like, yeah, right. It's just a glimmer. It's a glimmer. It's a a moment in time. I really, really, adore that and I mean I've also I don't know if you've seen some of the things like I'm I very strongly believe that both my kids have really great adult qualities that make it really challenging to parent them especially (laughs) when they're six and three (laughs) and all you want is for them to not do that but like we can't get rid of those like really great leadership qualities because then like that sucks right it's uh it's rewarding to 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 see hopefully fingers crossed that i'm finding the right balance i think maybe if we call it if we call it leadership qualities it should make us feel better about it right that's what i'm going with yes okay i'm gonna go with that too let's talk parenting advice so what's the best and worst pieces of parenting advice that anyone has ever given you i think a lot of times with this i come back to some of those things that just like make no sense to me whatsoever like when people told me when i had my newborn that like i absolutely couldn't have them in the sun um ever so I, I did lots of baby wearing and I got lots and lots of comments about how like, oh my goodness, your baby's skin is in the sun. Like, right. But I'm walking from my car into the mall and I don't think that they're going to light on fire. So <laughs> um, the, the best piece of advice was Oh my goodness. There's so many like little gems that I've got from family members over, over the years, but probably (laughs) from my auntie Sharon, she told me a story from when uh, we were younger. Uh, My cousin had been complaining about arm pain and my aunt's a nurse and she was like, Oh fine. We'll take you for an x-ray. It was like three days later or something. And she ended up having a broken arm and she was like, Oh, sorry. Um, Oops. <laughs> she she told me she was like everybody makes mistakes and we're all just making it up. <laughs> yeah. So um, I really like that perspective. I guess it makes it a lot easier to like accept the fact that yeah, no, we're not perfect by any means, and it just it takes all of us to get get things going. Although I also wonder, like you know, where's the village? Do like. When do we call the village? <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering where mine is. After kid number four, I still haven't figured it out exactly. How do I get this village? Where Where does it come? Do I like have to sign up somewhere? Anyways. Yeah, I'm actually super curious now in this pandemic, you know, you're supposed to have your village. And uh, I'm like, my husband's working on the road. And this week, let's see, I got four kids home here. And I can't I've go been- anywhere because you are now five people in a house. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Because it's, you know, I can't bring, you know, and not that I really have people to bring in right now. But like, you know, I can't, you're, we are a large family. And at one point, I was like, okay, which one of, you know, I said, which one of the kids am I kicking out to sleep somewhere else? Because we, you know, we have six people. And uh, it was funny, I told a friend that she's like, no, no, you leave, you go somewhere else. (laughs) 
She's like, you go to a hotel, you you take one for the team. I'm like, well, I never thought of it that way. <laughs> now that I think about it. That sounds quite nice, actually. That was like when I had seen, was it a meme of some kind? And it was like calling all moms or whatever that we needed to self-isolate at like Moose Jaw Spas or something. And I was like, I will oh. be there. But no. You're like, I volunteer yeah. for this role. <laughs> Yeah. What we've talked about lessons in business and lessons in health. So overall, like motherhood, what lessons, what has it taught you just about yourself being a mom? My biggest thing that I have had to work really hard at, and I still work really hard at every day is recognizing that what my kids do is something that they do and I cannot control it. <laughs> And it doesn't necessarily directly reflect on my parenting. Because if they're going to say something rude, they're absolutely going to say it when we're in the mall. (laughs) That's so true. I, you know, oftentimes we get so worked up and embarrassed and, you know, especially in those public places. And it's like, you know what? They're kids. Like, they're kids. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, really, if I saw somebody else's kid doing X, Y, or Z thing, would I worry all that much? Like, probably not. So (laughs) my guess is is that people aren't all that worried about what we're doing either. So is there anything that you said before you were a mom, you swore up and down, you're like, I'm never going to do that when I have kids? You know, I remember talking lots to other people about that, and I and I don't think my sister would know. Erin, <laughs> you should answer for me. Um, she would know if I had said anything. No, I don't necessarily think so. Like when I had Emily, I was like, nah, she'll like nap wherever we go because that's what some kids do. Um, and she just didn't sleep. So that's fine, I guess. Yeah. So maybe I thought that I would have kids that slept. I think that's a naive thing to think. (laughs) But you got a 50-50. You got one that didn't sleep that well, and you got one that sleeps pretty well. So, yeah. So, so there's that. No, I like, and I do, I know lots of people that have said various things and like talking to my dad and my uncle, uh, my one uncle as well. They vividly recall when my uncle was watching myself as a child change into multiple outfits he was like my kid will never do that and then of course that's what they did so I don't think that it's one of those things like I grew up hearing about how that just doesn't work so I just didn't think that it was something I should do (laughs) yep my kids go through so many outfits in a day my kids just don't wear clothes see we used to have that and now we have girls that just like feel like we're living in a fashion show and then they put it in the laundry oh. hamper so then and then there's dirty clothes in there so you don't really know what's dirty it's <laughs> clean oh, yeah <laughs> right <sighs> so if you could go back in mm-hmm. time to the first week with your daughter and give yourself a piece of advice what would you say breathe and let it go maybe i've watched too much frozen i'm not sure I was going to say, make like Elsa. Make like Elsa and just let it go. Yeah, I think it's the really don't care about what other people think. They're probably not thinking about you anyways. Uh, And just do what works for you. If If I could go back, I would just unashamedly just do what works for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think lots of people kind of would feel the same way. You. There's a lot of pressure. And then when you look back, you think so many things that you really didn't need to focus on. Why did I worry about that? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So let's talk mom fails because I am a hot mess a lot of the time. (laughs) And I feel like lots of moms are. So I feel they're inevitable. We're trying to be a lot of things. You wear a lot of different hats and we do everything for everyone. But sometimes that can backfire on us. So what are, you know, do you have any embarrassing mom fail moments that you can share? Because the the purpose of this is normalizing the chaos of being a mom. I have been, well, let's, let's talk about some of the situations that I've been embarrassed about. In Lawson Mall, 
having to leave my newborn in his car seat with strangers to chase down the mall after my toddler. <laughs> she just, Sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but I'm visualizing this. Come. And she wanted to stay and play. And it was the one day that I was like, oh, I don't need to put him in the carrier, which would, of course, make me significantly more mobile and be able to have him with me. And so I ended up chasing her from the food court down the hall, like a lot farther than I wish that I could. And she was laughing at me too. She was having fun. Oh, that made it even better. I'm yeah. Sure. Well, and you know, like she's laughing because she's having fun. I don't think she's laughing because she's making me mad. Right. But like at the same time, it doesn't <laughs> feel that way. <laughs> That's not improving your not mood. <laughs> and, uh, and so then I ended up picking her up surfboard style. And then while she was kicking and screaming, <laughs> I went back to my newborn, to the strangers who thankfully were still there with him. They couldn't <laughs> carry, haul him down the, yeah, anyways. And uh, then I picked up the car seat and I hauled them both out to the car, which was, of course, was parked like at the back of the parking lot. Of course. Of course. And then she's like screaming for me to let her go and I'm hurting her. And yeah, it was just dandy. Well, and you're like, if I put you down, you're, you're going to take, take off, off in the parking, in the parking lot, lot, which is even worse. Yeah. Those, those times, hey, you look back on them and now you're like, you can kind of laugh about it oh, now, but in the moment, it's like awful. It's terrible. And then I mean, like, there's the usual, my, you know, like injuries and, and things like that as well, right? Like my son was a very mobile baby from a young age. So he was crawling at five months old, the little turkey. And uh, he got behind my chair where I had a basket. And you know, like the kids' baskets, they got like the plastic rods in them to keep them upright. He yep. pulled one of those out and shoved it in his mouth and then leaned into the carpet and like ripped. Yeah, it was it was horrific. There was so much blood. I was, it was And then when we finally got but it stopped, I was like, but it's just this tiny little cut. <laughs> But it bled, it bled so, much. so much, so much bleeding, and you mix it with the saliva, and it was just yeah, like it was it was horrendous. Awesome! Yeah. What a mess, hey! So many things. It's just you know what, and they they build character, right? Yes, we're, that's what we're oh, going man. with. Yeah. So, in all of the chaos of your circus, do you have a hiding place in your house for uh, these mummy timeouts, this time when you just need to kind of catch your breath and cool off? Well, I try. Often my kids chase me because when I need a break is when they really feel like they need to connect, of course. That's how it works, works eh? Every time. But um, we actually... <laughs> I told my husband after having our daughter that I wouldn't have another baby unless I had a tub that I could soak my belly and my boobs in at the same time. <laughs> we, we renovated our master bathroom and I've got my soaker tub in, in there. Nice. So that's, that's my spot. I, I absolutely adore it. It's your, it's your zen yeah. zone. I'm hoping I can get a Zen zone like that. My ensuite is in need of a dire, dire renovation. And it is needing to, in order to fit a tub in there, we have to do a full like upstairs reconfiguration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were lucky because um, like there was just a 30 by 30 shower in there. And um, oh, okay. my husband took a look. We had a high, we had a high efficient furnace. So the, the chimney stack that was in there, the reason why they had the shower in the first place wasn't necessary. So then I could take out that entire section and fit a tub. Oh, that worked out really well. Oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I am so incredibly grateful that you took time out to share your story with us. And when I started my podcast, I kind of created this bucket list of guests that I wanted to connect with for episodes. And you were without hesitation on my bucket list. And I just think you're just this like amazing wealth of knowledge human being. And I am just so glad that our paths have crossed in multiple ways over the years. So thank you so much for being willing to share your story. Well, thank you so much for having me. It, it feels really like 
keenly, I guess, to have the the recognition that you like even have a like me on a bucket list somewhere that seems so cool. So well, of course I do. You're a pretty cool human. So thank you for sharing your story. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the final part of my conversation with Haley. I honestly can't thank Haley enough for trusting me with her story. Haley, you are absolutely just such an incredible inspiration to me. And I feel so very blessed that our paths have crossed because I think you are just such a gem. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for letting me share your story on the podcast. I hope that Haley's story connected with someone and I hope that we can all learn something from Haley because we can kind of take, you know, this idea that it'll never happen to me. And as moms, we can go through and just naively think that things like breast cancer and ovarian cancer and just heart and stroke and all these different things, like we just think like we are, you know, in society, we are known as this, you know, you're a super mom, you do everything, you fit it all in, you don't know how you're going to do it all, but somehow you do. And we just kind of live in this world where we feel like nothing bad is ever going to happen to us, like in the sense of our health. And I think it's kind of a bit of a wake up call when you hear stories like this. So thank you, Haley, for sharing your story. And I hope that it connected with my listeners as much as it did with me. So just an update on what's coming up ahead on the podcast. So this past week, my husband and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. And I am actually just still struggling to wrap my head around the fact that I have been a wife for 10 years, you guys. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I've tried to explain this to people and how my brain is working right now. And it's like, on one hand, I feel like, how the heck have we been married for 10 years? Just feels like that's crazy. Like, I don't even, I'm like, 10 Christmases, like, married? Like, I just, I don't even know how that happened. But then I'm like, we have a nine-year-old and we you know, we started a business, we established this business, we sold a business, we've lived in a bunch of different houses, we have four kids, like all the things that we have accomplished and done. I'm like, wow, has it only been 10 years? (laughs) So it's just like a weird and I'm sure that those of you that have been married much longer than me can relate to that sentiment of just feeling like on one hand, it doesn't feel like that long. But the other hand, you're like, we've done a lot. So it must be that long. So the moral of this story is I've convinced my husband to do another podcast episode with me, whether he wants to or not, maybe. I enjoy recording with him because we just always have really interesting things to feed off of each other from. So he is going to be hopping on for a open mic episode with me to chat about some hot topics. So I'm sure it'll be entertaining and I'm sure it'll be juicy. So don't miss that. It'll be great. I'm going to share that with you guys next week. Well, here we are. This wraps the episode and I hope that this week ahead brings you rest and I hope this week brings you peace. May your coffee be hot and your wine glass be full. Oh, I think I need a glass of wine after this week. I hope your chaos is absolutely beautiful. It's all in perspective, guys. Now back to my circus.